Hi, and thanks for listening to Here and Now Anytime. We've got new episodes every weekday afternoon, so make sure you don't miss anything by following and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Here and Now Anytime. And if you've already subscribed, tell a friend about us. Now here's the show. Try to think how you will be able to support us as a refugees. Not only money, no. Just to feel that we are human here after all of the disasters. One Syrian refugee's first-hand account of the earthquake. It's Friday, February 10th, and this is Here and Now Anytime from NPR and WBUR Boston. I'm Chris Bentley. Today on the show, Super Bowl 57, and South Asian representation in media has come a long way. But one writer says too many South Asian characters have insecurities about how they look, a symptom of internalized racism. First, all week we've been following the evolving situation in Turkey and Syria, where more than 22,000 people are now confirmed dead after a powerful earthquake Monday. Today we have the story of one woman who, like so many in the region, suddenly finds herself homeless. Asala Shikani lives in Antakya, Turkey, near the border with Syria. She's taken shelter about an hour away at the office of her employer, the Karam Foundation, which helps young Syrian refugees like herself. She told Scott Tong about the moment the earthquake hit. At 4.17 after midnight, I heard a big noise with strong shaking. I know it's an earthquake. I woke up very quickly. I throw my little daughter under the table. The building is, you know, trying to pull down. I was praying only that we will die. We will die. Everything. Now it's our final minute in the life. It was Mm. awful. When it's finished, try to catch my daughters and go out of the building. Then I shout because I'm, I'm living in the building with my family. The first floor, my dad and mom. Second floor, my uh, apartment. And the third one is my brother. So I, I asked them all of the building, go out now, go out now. But my brother, he said, we are not able, all the stones on us. Just I was worried about my dad and mom. I also, I shout, dad, mom, please, are you okay? Just let me know to know that you are okay. Alhamdulillah, my dad said, yes, we are okay. What do we have to do? So I check the wall. I have a small hole in the, in the wall. And uh, without hijab, without shoes, we skipped from this hole to the garden. And Asala, did your entire family, your parents, everyone get out? Yeah, alhamdulillah, all of them, they get out. And it was it was raining, it was yeah, freezing cold and raining that morning? Yeah, very frozen, heavy raining, thunder, people crying, shouting, all the people, just we are crying and crying and saying, Allah, pray for Allah, and, and stayed under the rain three hours in the park. Did you have to spend many days outside? Yeah, I stayed with my family and all of our neighbors two days outside in the car. Uh, The people tried to support each other, uh, bring wood, make a fire, uh, just to warm the kids. And your children, were they scared? For sure. They said, Mama, we are died now. Are we alive or died now? This is what 
that you say oh. that this is the, the hereafter life, this is afterlife. Why our home like this? Why we lost, why we are without shoes? Why we are like this? What's happened? Why Allah make this to us? Why the, 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 the ground is shaking? Why we are here? Why Allah wants to torture us? What we did? So just try to make them strong. I told them we are strong. It will, it will, it will go. Uh, I'm trying to make them strong because it's not easy for them and not easy for us. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, were you able to find shelter? For sorry, two days, all of our neighbors, all of the people there, there is no shelter for us. Only in the park, under the rain, and in the cars. Two days, we didn't see anybody. We didn't hear anything. We don't have phones. There is no calls. There is no networks. And even we listen, we heard the, 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 the suffering of our neighbors under the ruins, and we're not able to make them out of the ruins. Oh, many of the people, many of the people under their building, and they are shouting, please make us out. But we are not able to do anything. Just try to talk with them. Calm oh. down. We, it will be fine, but nobody. And even one of our neighbors, she is 23 years old. She was died and her body stayed in the car with us two days. We don't know where oh we have. God. The hospital is very close to my home, is filled down. All the doctors mm -hmm. are injured. It's out of the service. Oh my goodness. No blankets, no food. No services of the phone to call the people. We don't know what we will have to do. What we will have? What we will have to do? Nothing. Nothing. Just waiting. But we don't know what 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 we are waiting. When your children asked you, your children okay. asked you, why is this happening? What was your answer? My answer, I said that just Allah tried to check if we are strong or not. So we have to prove to Allah that we are strong. Be strong and everything will be okay. And eventually, after these two days, these two horrific days with people crushed, dying around you, I, I understand you eventually, thank goodness, found shelter uh, at or near the office where yes. you work. But now, um, mm -hmm. how do you think about what you have lost? I understand you've lost two brothers in the war, you have lost your home. What do you have left? Do you know, as a Syrian refugees, we left everything since 12 years ago I came to Turkey. Mm -hmm. I started to make a new future. I said, I'm strong. We will try to support others, support ourselves. We have hope. We make a future for our daughters, for all our next generations. But really, now... I'm so hopeless, so hopeless. For me, life ends, it's enough. I'm so tired. I struggled a lot. I was patient a lot. I tried to support others, but now I'm so weak. I, you know, before we have a small future for us as a Syrian refugee, we draw a small future. We don't want a lot. We don't want money. We don't a small future only. But now I don't see future in my life at all. Because we digged in stones to be able to work and eat here in Turkey. We digged in stones to have homes. 
<laughs> I stayed in camps, in Turkish camp, and, and I taught students three years just without nothing. I stayed in one room three years. It's not easy <laughs> to spend mm. 10 years more to settle down life again. I don't think I'm able to have life again <laughs> because it's too much. It's too much for us as a refugees here. It's too much. Today, what we say that before the earthquakes, we were very worried about the economical situation here, that mm -hmm. it's a lot for us as Syrian refugees. And now earthquake changed everything that we are not now worried about the economic situation. We are worried about that if we will be able to be alive or not. For us now, I think there is no life. After the earthquake, there is no life. Because now we start not from zero, under the, the, the zero, minus mm. the zero. Asala, what can the outside world do for you and so many people in your situation? Just I need one request. Please, as a Syrian refugee, we don't want anything. Just try to support us as a human. Just try to spot the light that we are not a normal people now after the earthquakes because we have a lot of psychological situation. So please, please think well about Syrian refugees in this situation. And even the Turkish people, they help us a lot in this earthquake. But we have one thing more, that we suffered a lot before. Please, word, please, all of the people, try to think how you will be able to support us as a refugees, as, you know, a psychological support, not only money, no, just to feel that we are human here after all of these disasters. Please build the future for us. This is what I need. Asala Shikani, we send you our humanity, we send you our hope. Thank you so much, and, and safe, safe travels to you and your family. Thank you for you, and thank you for your praying. We've got links to places you can donate money for relief efforts if you're looking to help. You can find them at hereandnow.org. Just click on any of our stories about the earthquake. Coming up, my brother and I used to get our friends together every Super Bowl Sunday and face off in a game of touch football that we called the Brother Bowl. Nothing raises the stakes like a little sibling rivalry. Something the Kelsey brothers are surely feeling as the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles get ready to square off. After the break, Scott previews the big game with NPR's Tom Goldman. Okay, let's talk Super Bowl. You may know it's the Philadelphia Eagles against the Kansas City Chiefs Sunday. And for the first time, two black quarterbacks will start. And two brothers will be facing off. NPR's Tom Goldman is here to preview. Hey, Tom. Hi, Scott. All right, quick recap. How did the Eagles and how did the Chiefs get here? 
Well, I can give you the shorthand version. Their their presence in Sunday's game is not a surprise. Um, they were often talked about as Super Bowl contenders throughout the season. Mm. They both rolled through the season. They come into Sunday's game with identical 16-3 and three records. And here's a crazy stat for you. They've each scored 546 points this season. <laughs> um, and also, both enter Sunday's game with their most important players dealing with injuries. Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes, who was awarded his second NFL MVP award last night. He's been dealing with the most discussed high ankle sprain in history, and Philly quarterback Jalen Hurts has been nursing a sprained shoulder on his throwing arm, which really turned him into more of a runner than passer late in the season. Yeah. Uh, We should mention Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. It's the first time we have two black starting quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. Given these injuries, what do you think each will bring to his team? Well, um, something different uh, because, you know, they're just unique in what they do. Patrick Mahomes is, is you know, he's, a, he's got a great arm, a great ability to create out of nothing and try crazy things like Ingenious. tossing the ball left-handed. Yeah, yeah. He, he bends his throwing arm at all different angles to place the ball under and over defenders. And he's also a very effective and smart runner. Now, Jalen Hurts blossomed this year into a very versatile quarterback. He's all, always been a great runner, but he developed this uh, season as, as a passer, and he really keeps defenses guessing. He's Philadelphia's number one offensive weapon. The Kelsey brothers, Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey, were the first, will be the first brothers to face off in a Super Bowl. And it turns out they also host a podcast, and we have a little sound. Travis asking their dad a very important question. Who are you talking to first after the game? The winner or the loser? Uh... Probably the loser. You have any reason for that? or Somebody's going to feel pretty crummy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Tom, what a moment for this Kelsey family. <laughs> what a good dad, too, huh? Going to the loser <laughs> first. No kidding. Um, a very, very proud moment, obviously. You know, we all love mom, Donna Kelsey, but she's been talked about more than some of the players in the Super Bowl. So I'm glad we got to hear there from the media shy dad. You know, the brothers won't actually play against each other. They're both on offense. Travis, a great tight end, and Jason, a great center. But they're both expected to have a big impact. Travis, in a splashier way, you know, catching passes, maybe scoring some touchdowns. Jason is the rock of Philadelphia's offensive line. The center is hugely important, but that doesn't get as much publicity. Yeah, a couple seconds, Tom. Uh, perhaps the greatest play will be the concert, the Rihanna concert at halftime. Any clues? What you'll sing? Who may sing? You know, the playlist is still apparently a work in progress, but there's great anticipation for Rihanna's first public appearance since the 2018 Grammys. I have to say it's prompting some anger, too, though, because in 2019, she turned down a chance to perform at the Super Bowl out of solidarity with Colin Kaepernick. She said Hmm. she wouldn't be a sellout. He's still out of the league, but she's performing, and her fans will love it. And here's Tom Goldman. Thank you. You're welcome. By the way, if you're looking for a dessert to make for your Super Bowl party, or maybe for Valentine's Day Tuesday, head to hereandnow.org and listen to our latest conversation with resident chef Kathy Gunst. We've got some tantalizing recipes for cookies, cupcakes, and a rich, fudgy cake that Kathy describes as if a brownie and a chocolate cake got together. 
All you do is mix up unsweetened cocoa powder, vanilla, sugar, canola oil, vegetable oil, eggs, and sour cream, and it goes into a loaf pan. No fancy cake pans, and then a very simple chocolate sour cream icing is just mixed together in a saucepan. You put it over the cake, sprinkle it with coarse sea salt, and bam, it is good. Mm. Coming up, the new HBO show Velma has some South Asians wondering, as one put it in an essay for Teen Vogue recently, whether brown girls can ever like themselves on TV. I was waiting to shower alone. Because of your weight? What? No. Because of your handsome face? My face is fine. Because of your hairy gorilla arm? No. That's a clip from Mindy Kaling's show Velma, a new take on the Scooby-Doo mystery gang that reimagines the title character Velma Dinkley as a teenager of South Asian descent. And as we just heard, Kaling's Velma is also the butt of a lot of jokes about her looks. That doesn't sit well with Sakina Syed, who writes in Teen Vogue that the shame and embarrassment South Asian characters feel about their heritage in Velma and in Kaling's other projects are symptoms of internalized racism. That resonated with our own Kalyani Saxena, so she called up Syed to talk about it. Here's Kalyani. You know, something you wrote in your essay really struck a chord with me about using kitchen scissors on your eyebrows as a way to erase your ethnic features. You know, when I when I was a kid, I used to draw myself with blonde hair and blue eyes in my drawings. I used to try out different shampoo after different shampoo, you know, hoping it would turn my curly hair straight and thin. It's not an unusual story that I'm telling or that mm-hmm. you shared. Is there a real impact for, to see this representation of brown women on TV, on generations of of young brown girls. Absolutely. There's a huge impact. It might sound like a small thing that, okay, these are these are some jokes on a TV screen. What does it mean? But it really folds into the larger media landscape and then trickles out into our culture as a whole. You know, if you go on social media right now, something that's very popular are these um, social media trends of brown women documenting their quote unquote glow ups. But the sad part is that all of the things that they've felt the need to change to to now be beautiful or desirable are all just natural ethnic features that South Asian people are born with. Mm -hmm. All of these things that make thousands and thousands of, of brown women feel like something about them is fundamentally wrong, they come from portrayals like this. You know, Mindy Kaling, she's getting a lot of flack for her role in in putting this stereotype on TV and in characters like Davy from Never Have I Ever. Do you think that's fair? Did the tradition of depicting South Asian women as self-hating and ugly, like, did it really start with her? See, this is the part that is a little bit frustrating because, yes, some of the characters that Mindy Kaling has created and platformed, they share these negative stereotypes, and, and that is a problem. But then what we really need to think about is where did that come from? Mindy Kaling did not invent representation of South Asian women in Hollywood. In fact, long before Mindy Kaling actually gained the power to be writing or directing, there were thousands and thousands of of instances that we can speak to across media where South Asian characters, where brown characters were were mocked. They were made the butt of the joke. Um, mm-hmm. You have to think about where did where did some of these ideas even come into Mindy's work from? They come from racism that's been enforced on us that we didn't create for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I've also seen sort of the other side of the discourse say, well, hey, these characters that we're seeing on TV that don't like themselves, don't like the way they look, that's true to their own experiences. I mean, 
I know that I've thought about that myself. That growing up, it was something I struggled with, my own self-image, and something I still sometimes continue to struggle with. How do you, I guess, respond to the idea that, well, this is just what the South Asian experience is for a lot of women? I, uh, first of all, 100%, I think that it would be unrealistic and childish to say we should only have brown women characters who love ourselves and don't struggle with internalized racism at all. But at some point, replicating these negative stereotypes over and over again, without nuance, without depth, without growth, it's less about telling a personal authentic story and more just like contributing to a very convenient multi-million dollar pattern. I don't think that that's really the same thing as, you know, taking the time to grapple with your own experience and tell a valid, messy, um, or painful story. You know, we are seeing more positive depictions of South Asian women on TV. Simone Ashley, playing Kate Sharma on Bridgerton, received widespread praise last year. What do you think it's going to take to to have that kind of representation become the norm rather than the exception? We need more stories. We need to see content that is positive, content that is uh that is dark content, that is light. We need, you know, we're like you mentioned, we've seen a little bit of that and it's been great with Bridgerton. We've, we're recently seeing more new creators um, uh, and, and characters gain the limelight. So for example, the the Marvel series, Miss Marvel with a, um, a Pakistani American superhero. I don't think that I ever would have imagined um, seeing a TV series uh, where a brown girl is a Marvel superhero. Those are, those are, images that we've never really been allowed to hold in our minds. Like, I don't know if we've ever thought that we would be afforded that same luxury. I think we need to see more of that because otherwise the same patterns that put us in this position of of making these jokes um, because they've been made towards us, uh, we're just going to be passing that on. That's Sakina Syed, author of the Teen Vogue essay on Velma, Mindy Kaling, and whether brown girls can ever like ourselves on TV. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you about this. This show comes from the team behind Here and Now from NPR and WBUR Boston. Head to hereandnow.org for more stories, including a look at a new group helping low-wage service workers unionize in the South across different industries from fast food to home care. The thing that they have in common is that they're all not being paid enough. They don't have benefits, and their workplaces are very unsafe. Find that whole conversation at hereandnow.org. Today's stories were produced by Jill Ryan, Hafsa Qureshi, Thomas Danielian, and Koyani Saxena. Our editors are Julia Corcoran, Todd Munt, Jill Ryan, and Kat Welch. Technical direction from Caleb Green and Max Liebman. Theme music by Max, me, and Mike Moschetto. Our digital producers are Grace Griffin and Allison Hagen. And the executive producer of Here and Now is Carlene Watson. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend.